The Gold Card Podcast is brought to you by the Esports Department. Gain access to the tools, projections, and analysis trusted by the best for League of Legends and Counter-Strike Global Offensive. Join today at theesportsdepartment.com. Welcome to episode 102 of the Gold Card Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Vince Kalati, at Gelati LOL on Twitter. With me tonight, we've got Josh Roberts at Roberts number 49. Good evening, y'all. John George at the Esports Plug. And Vince is gone. Really? <laughs> How are we doing, everybody? Oh, How my God. Trolling me. And Chris Chung at Prime LOL. How is everyone doing? All right. You got me paranoid now, John. You're just going to be able to troll me the whole cast now. <laughs> um, so, no, you are, you, are, you are a little bit glitchy. Really? Is yeah, it, it was on your end. Is, yeah. it, is it laggy? Yeah, but I think we'll be okay. You'll be okay. Just try and power through. It's going to be a short show today. Not too much to discuss anyways. Okay. So, it's been a couple weeks we had, to, we had to recharge the batteries for a little bit. This is, like, the only off time that we get, basically, until Worlds is over in October. So, um, I think all of us have uh, taken some time off to, to, to recharge. Cause some, uh, I mean, a lot of people have been following EU Masters and some other things. But uh, what, what have you guys been up to the last couple of weeks? Oh, just relaxing a little bit, you know. I was just mentioning I was, I've was i been playing some Magic. I've been playing some TFT, grinding poker, just doing all the other things that I do while I wait for the, the season to come back. Obviously, I've been playing some EU Masters as well, but uh, not, you know, as heavily as, as I do with normal main region slates. So. What about you, Josh? Well, as many people know, I've been playing Morgana Jungle for like three months, four months. And two weeks ago, they, or a week ago, two weeks ago, they decided to buffer even more when I was already telling everyone it was broken. So I've been playing a lot more solo queue because it was even more fun because <laughs> I've just like already had the knowledge of, of how to play her and she got even stronger. So it was, it was pretty lit. That's they awesome. did a bug fix on her first and then they then they buffed it even more, even after the bug fix. So I've been playing a lot of solo queue. And then now that the new TFT sets out, I think I've probably played like 18 hours and it's probably been out for like. 30. I don't know. It's, it's, it's not very healthy, but it, it's okay. Get your grind on. What about you, Chris? I have been finding new ways to uh, drain my bankroll outside of League. It's it's terrible. And also finding new ways to get demoted in rank because, you know, rank, solo queue, fun <laughs> stuff. That's fun. We got a, we're, we're kind of like, we're, we're uh, duo casting. I think we, a couple of us have our eyes on the uh, the NFL draft tonight too. So we got. That. I did a lot of like you know prep and leading up to that. I'm a big NFL fan, so the draft is always a fun event too, especially to bet. It's a really really fun event to bet. So um, that and I've just been kind of unwinding, doing chores around the house. I had I like completely unplugged. Like I was doing I was doing like just like stuff around the house. Uh, like I you know visited a couple friends. Uh, you know stuff like that, and just unplugging so that I can get you know that that's that's how I tend to do things. And then I dial back in. So um, yeah, that's it's been it's been a nice couple of weeks. But I'm I'm honestly I'm starting to I'm starting to get antsy. I'm trying to get back into it now. So 
We've got MSI starting next week. We're going to be recording a show on Monday night. Uh, MSI starts on Thursday, May 6th. So we're going to be doing all MSI talk, futures, all that kind of stuff next week. Uh, so this is probably just going to be a short, kind of loose hang show. We're going to talk about some new stuff that came out and, uh, you know, answer a few listener questions. And then we'll get out of here short and sweet tonight. You guys ready to roll? Let's do it, sir. All right. Shortness. So let's start off on a downer. Well, I guess it's not a downer. It's a good thing for the scene. Um, the LDL match fixing and management issues investigation, the third party investigation that the LPL was doing for, um, or not, uh, it was a TJ Games was doing for, uh, for all the scandalous activity going on in the LDL and LPL. They completed their investigation and there was a lot of disciplinary action, unfortunately. Um, I wrote down a couple notables. Bo from FPX got his sentence reduced from six months to four months, meaning that he will be viable for Worlds if it comes to that. Worth noting, although we'll see. It's kind of hard to tell at this point if, if they'd want to roll with that. Also, Bless and Teen from TT, Best 16 from the Billy Billy system, and a couple of others. Um, a lot of a lot of it was like – not a couple of others. It was a lot of other people. It, there was there was a lot going on with this, and uh, it was pretty extensive. Like management, coaches, owners, sub players, starting players. A lot of them you don't really know unless you are dialed into that scene. I didn't know most of these. I'll be honest with you, but um, you can go ahead and check out. There's there's a list of all the all the sentences and what happened and all that. So big picture, I think as as bad as it is to kind of like see the ugly underworld of this kind of stuff, it's good for the scene to actually like enforce this and, and go after it and try to stop it because ultimately you, you have to, like there needs to be an integrity, you know, it's good to see this kind of like integrity commission or, or like they brought in a third party group to investigate it. So I, I think that that shows a lot of good faith for the world, like for the community uh, for esports in general, like you don't want to see any of this stuff in anything. So, any big picture thoughts on this? Yeah, no, pretty much the same as you. Just like uh, I think it's really good that they decided to get serious about it because it was something that was kind of a known thing for a while. That it was something that happened, especially in China, and well, mostly in the LDL, not so much in the LPL. Whenever it happened in the LPL, we made a big deal out of it, but it was kind of known that it was that it was happening in the LDL sometimes. And a lot of esports are going through this right now too. Counter Strike—they're having a big thing in Counter Strike of trying to weed out all the people who had match fixed in the past or, che- or cheated in the past. They're really trying to crack down so they can go super legitimate. You know, let's be the next baseball and basketball and whatever. And we can't have that going on when we have this hanging over our heads. So that's what they're doing. Absolutely, Josh, Chris. <clears throat> I think it's good to set the precedent. Because now we have like an example for other places when this comes up, right? Yep. You know, we may have only heard about it there, but I'm sure it's happening in other places. And now we have a, a precedent. And I think, honestly, I think it's one of the biggest things for the esports scene to get this under control early rather than later. Because uh, that's one of the big things that could prevent it from becoming mainstream. Yep. Um, even though like it was a thing with that with uh, with you know physical or non yeah traditional i couldn't think of the word traditional sports as well um way back when people kind of find any excuse to not embrace esports um so it's definitely good that they're trying to weed that out uh, as we expect it to kind of even grow even bigger over the next you know 
three, five years. You don't want to give them any ammunition. Chris, any thoughts on this? I don't know if we talked about this, but I'm still impressed how Wei-Yan, our poster boy for sports <laughs> betting, managed to get himself additionally suspended while being suspended. Oh, yeah. He, got, he was match-fixing while banned. Yeah. <laughs> this is incredible, and now we have proof that all the DFS lately lost, Wei-Yan has a hand in it. Yeah. So there you go. This man is forever going to be infamous and a legend in our scene. He got he, he got a he got a lifetime ban. He lifetime. Got, he's done so. Yeah, a couple of the managers lifetime. did too for not necessarily match fixing stuff, but just like conduct essentially. So. There's not many people where I'm like, man, if I ran into that guy on the street, like I might just have to put one in his face. But Wayon is one of them. I think I just might have to punch him in the face if I saw Wayon on the street. Yeah. I lost a lot of money that guy, a lot of money. We gotta fire up. We gotta fire up the meme for give it, give it a couple uh, a send off. The mustache meme is too strong. I <laughs> no, will just keep it. Just put the mustache on people <laughs> as time goes on. All right, so um, yeah, those were a couple. If you wanna, if you wanna check out the extensive list, I think Wikipedia had it, or the, there, there's a number of outlets that had the full list of of all the action and everything. So, um, next up, Gambit retires their League of Legends division. This was a big sad for me. Uh, they didn't say necessarily why. I'd assume it was just financial, but uh, good run. So for those that don't know, I, I kind of want to do. I didn't go deep in and do like a full on research project on like how everything was. I just kind of wanted to, you know, shoot from my hip on this one, but I'm going to say Gambit slash Moscow five because they like transitioned from Moscow five to that. A lot of people, a lot of our listeners and, and followers are relatively new to the scene, but Moscow five was the first Western powerhouse team. Um, after, like I'll say Western powerhouse team, like after season one, where it was like, the Eastern leagues weren't playing yet, basically. So they were the West's greatest hope to beat the Eastern teams. The, the Korean teams at the time were like the, the, you know, the boogeyman, so to speak. And, uh, that team had, they were all such bizarre, weird characters for people. And they played bizarre, weird stuff. Like they were kind of G2 before G2, but, but stranger, if that makes sense. Like they were less less swag and flamboyant about it, and more just bizarre, right? Like they were just weird. They were weird dudes. They were like the David Lynch movie version. Yeah, of the yeah. And that team, season two and season three, of Moscow Five were unbelievably good. They were so so freaking good. All of the players were ridiculously good, and it's a piece of history. So this one kind of hit me in the feels a little bit. Uh, not quite as hard as like the the OGN being done and all that, but like this one hit me a little bit because it, if you don't if if you don't know it's kind of hard to explain it, but like if you, if you don't know or haven't seen Moscow Five, go back even like even early on when they switched to Gambit like like season three season four, go back and watch some vods from back then because. It's a spectacle. It's like it's a piece of history. They were so weird. They were so innovative. You want to talk about outside the? They they might have been the most outside the box team ever, right? Like who who's who's been crazier than them? Like in the majors? Yeah, I don't know if anybody was ever as crazy as those guys. I mean, they were Darian was always doing all kinds of weird stuff in the top lane, playing champions that didn't belong there, and building weird stuff that nobody 
that nobody believed would work. And then Genzo with the Warmog's quirky. <laughs> yeah, and then that Diamond Prox was really like the first person to start invading jungles. Um, back before that was really a thing that people did commonly. Who who is this top laner that literally is the the whole reason for John's being in League of Legends? It sounds like. Genja, yeah. Oh, okay. or, I mean, uh, Darian. Genja was the kid. Darian, yeah. okay. Alex, he must be the original inventor of the tank, the tank plank that we see. Yeah, John that's basically like the kind of stuff that Darian was doing, just like real weird. He was stuff just doing it in pro play sense, and but... shitting on people. Like it was like, oh yeah, he like Shivana, like uh, teleporting night Shivana top, like just all this like solo key special stuff. Like it was, um, who else? Like honestly, like there were times. In season two, where I think there was a reasonable case that Diamond Prox was the best jungler in the world, maybe one of the best players in the world. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, and Edward was, you Edward, know, the Fresh Prince, the yeah. Fresh Prince back in the day. Gosu Pepper, he wasn't even Edward then. He was Gosu yeah, Pepper. True, yeah. You said yeah, like Edward Alex Ish ended up having a pretty long. Like he he played in the West. Like he stayed in NA for a while, and he. I mean, honestly, there was a time where they were the best player. They were in the in the conversation for best players in the world, and there's not a lot of Western players that have ever had that honor, right? They were the they were the nemesis of my favorite team, CLGEU, who yeah. played against them all the time back and forth. Is like they were the two big teams from Europe, so I watched a ton of both of their games back then. They were very enjoyable to watch. Yeah, do do yourselves a favor and go back and watch some like season two Moscow Five vods. Like, go watch like the World Championship clips from that because they were. If... God, that's it. Yeah. I was just gonna say like it, watch them play CLG EU too because it was such a great matchup of teams because CLG EU was very much like a literally we're gonna scale to like fifty minutes team. Like they were slow. Their mid laner was Froggen, and his strategy back then was basically just like six items before we fight, and their whole team was like that. And then Moscow 5 was the complete opposite. They were just like spastic, like all over the map doing crazy stuff. And so it was a really great classic battle of just like, let's try to make things happen versus let's not let's try not to have anything happen. It just made for some really great games, including some ones that went like 70-plus oh, minutes yeah. back in the day. Oh, there was some slugfest between those two. Yeah, it's uh, th- this one hit me in the field. A- Alex Ish, I had – he was he was a player I modeled myself after for a long time. Like, in my, my formative League of Legends years as a mid laner, I I, uh, I learned a lot from him. Uh, he had a lot of really – I mean, he Evelyn mid, Kha'Zix mid. Like, he innovated a lot of different stuff, and he was incredibly good. So, uh yeah, I, I took a lot from him. He was, like, one of my first real idols watching the game. Just a hella good player. Really good guy, too. Um, I think he's still kicking around. I don't know what he's up to now. I'm kind of curious. I'm going to look this up. Um, he was kind of like – like, Alex Itch was kind of like um, – I'm trying to think of somebody who fits this profile. You probably would know better than me off the top of your head. But there was, like, a lot of Korean mids that, like, in Season 1 and 2 were super dominant. But then – as the faker wave rolled in, like that generation, they kind of stuck around for a while, but they were never as dominant. That was like Alex Itch. Like mm. he was like the best mid, him and X Peke, like going into the LEC. And then they slowly took a backseat to like the next generation of guys as they came. Yeah, he hasn't played since 2017. Wow. Yeah, he was he was a hell of a player. He was this whole team, this whole team was so good. Like all of them were really, really good. Probably the last time, like it took into, it literally it took until G two, I think, for the West to have a team that measured that well. And obviously, it's different because time passed and the Eastern teams got time to develop and all that. But yeah, they were they they were legitimately like 
one of the two favorites to win the world championship in season two. Like they were the second favorite. It was like Azubu and them were the favorites to win the tournament, which was crazy thinking back on it. So, yeah, um, pour one pour one out for uh, for Gambit slash Moscow Five. Uh, and then, like I said, dude, do, do it's it's worth going and taking a look at some highlights from that era just to, as as a little bit of a history lesson to see, you know, one of the OGs. Just thought I'd say as a last note, I'm guessing that part of what happened that caused this decision is their CS:GO team is very good right now and they are not going to get into the LEC. Like, I'm guessing they kind of just decided, like, if we're never going to make it into the LEC, we don't want to run, like, an amateur org in League of Legends. We either want to be, like, a pro team or just not be there. And so they probably just said, you know, we've got other games going for us right now. Yeah, they've let's, got a good Dota franchise, too. Let's stop being an amateur team, basically, and, and just go do something else. All right. Uh, okay, so... Um... Next up on the docket here, we've got... Uh, so, the VCS is <clears throat> not going to be... Vietnam is not going to be attending MSI again. Um, basically, my understanding of it from uh, a friend of mine who has a friend there, friend of a friend situation, uh, the travel restrictions coming out of Vietnam are extremely strict. Like, you can't leave the country for anything, basically, right now. So... Uh, They've kind of, they're just they're just being extra cautious with COVID and everything, and uh, it's the same issue that was from Worlds, and they're just not letting people travel. He he seems to think that at this point there's a chance they don't even go to the World Championship either, depending on how things pan out. Uh, where it's going to be interesting to see if they find a way to to work around that, but uh, we'll see. I'll cross that bridge when I get it. But the VCS, it's weird. This is a league that's had success at this specific tournament before. Uh, they play insanely. They they are the most aggressive league in the world. Uh, Brazil maybe gives them a run for their money, but that's like they are the most aggressive league in the world. They have the highest. They're the bloodiest region in the world. They are. You want to talk about games looking like solo queue games? The VCS looks like solo queue games. Like even the best teams. So. Like I think their final average like thirty three kills a game or something like that for their grand like their grand final of the season. So it's like just to give you some and they were doing that last year when like the world average was like twenty four or something. So it's like the thing is, this might be a little bit unpopular. The VCS has had some success at MSI, but as a region, they're it's not good. Like the quality of play is not that good. It's fun to watch. But the quality of play is not particularly good overall, and they they tend to struggle when they actually play against teams that aren't of that ilk. So, in the grand scheme of things, I don't think it really affects things too much, but it does take a little bit of the spice out of the group stage because they are the kind of team that can just do some wacky shit and, and you know, pull an upset out of nowhere. So, any, any thoughts on this one, or are we just going to tie it into the... Pretty much the same thing you said. Just like it's a little sad they're not going to be there, but at the same time they weren't like they weren't winning. Yeah, this they is were, this they were going to be in the playoffs. Yeah, this is a team like we were that. talking about. Like, oh, like they could take a game. Who's who are they going to take the game from? That was like, yeah, they could steal one maybe, but they they weren't going to be a factor when it came yeah. down to it. Really. So we'll we'll talk more about this next week. But in terms of the formatting, they're just not changing the format. It's just that that group is just going to be three teams now. So only one team is not going to make it to the second stage. So. Um, which I think is the right thing to do. You don't want to completely overhaul everything just because the team can't go. So, uh, next up, PCS news, also MSI related. Um, Unified had a pneumothorax, like a collapsed lung. This is just 
This team for uh, so unified again the eighty carry for Paris Saint Germain Talon. This team can't catch a break, man. <laughs> like they're by the way, they look even better than they did going into the World Championship, and they made some noise at the World Championship with the two subs. If people don't remember, now I would argue that the two subs kind of upgraded their team, but this season they went 17 and 1 domestically they absolutely destroyed the pcs like it wasn't remotely close so and this team's legitimately good like i've watched a lot of their games now like that's what i've been doing over the past week is like getting caught up on these minor region teams watching some of the playoffs and <laughs> talent are good like they're a very good team uh, i think they could they're the kind of team that i think could beat the western teams uh it's a shame. So Doggo's gonna end Doggo is from Beyond Gaming. Uh, it's another PCS team. He's pretty good eighty carry player. He's gonna be the one filling in for Unified here. But uh I just wish we could see this team at full power, man. Yeah, it, it kinda sucks that we've never gotten to see them like as, as a full roster, even though they might have gotten a little help uh, at the world championship, but uh, who knows, maybe they'll just become they come in as a surprise at the world championships now and I think even as they are, I wouldn't be surprised if they give trouble to Cloud9, uh, and I wouldn't be surprised if they give trouble to Mad Lions. So oh, yeah. little, we'll have to see how it goes. little preview for next week. I'm, I'm, I'm still on Talon to like get out of groups, to make finals, to like all, all the all – the, just every which way. I'm betting them in almost all their games, the, uh, the opening lines. I think they're, they're just a good team. Josh, Chris, any thoughts on this? Not much for me, no. Do we know what the sub situation is going to be? Yeah, Dog Doggo from Beyond Gaming. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah, he's he's good. He's a good player. Uh, Whippo. Do we even want to talk about this? I wrote it down. It's like nothing news. I like wrote a paragraph about how this is nothing news, but I guess we'll touch on it because people like to hear about it. Uh, Whippo and Self Made passed on contract extension offers from Fnatic. I don't know if you saw this, Vince. There was an addition to that oh, that really? made me change my stance a little bit on it. Whipple came out and like did an extra interview and had some pretty like big quotes in that that made it a little bit uh, more real. Like a he basically look. said, like he said, he just doesn't feel like he's playing at a level where he deserves to be on a team like Fnatic, and he has other options that he's going to explore um, rather than that. So yeah, I, it was like. I, I was, I mean, we were lockstep, you know, we were talking about it in the Discord, but yeah, if you, if you look at, if you like just Twitter search like Blippo interview or something, I'm sure you'll find the quote, um, something like that. So yeah, it was, I was very surprised to see it, but. Right. So their contracts, exp- their contracts expire after summer. So are they planning, they're planning on like sticking with the same roster for summer? Or are they looking to replace people now? Like, for summer. So, like, my read on it before hearing this part was that, like, this is Fnatic offering them an extension, like, like half in good faith, half because they know that they're going to get big offer. I would assume they think they're going to get big offers in free agency, and they're trying to get them on the cheap. Which, like, I, that that makes sense as an org. Yeah, that's thing. that's what I would assume. But um, now hearing this, I'm not entirely sure. I'm going to have to, like, dive into it myself. I haven't seen what Josh was referencing. Wow. Jalen Waddle sixth. That's crazy. <laughs> um, okay. I'll, I'll take a look at this article and then, uh, cool. All right. So, um, 
Yeah, that, that's what it was to me. Like, I, I, I just I mostly wanted to bring this up to make a big picture point. To don't just like in traditional sports, don't overlook. Like, don't don't overthink this kind of stuff. Like, t- people, this is like this is a news thing that came out when there's nothing going on, and everyone was like trying to make a big deal about it. And like a lot of the times, it's just like it's just business. You know, like it's it's not even a matter of of anything going on. So like, just don't don't go too crazy speculating. Oh, oh man. The management's treating everyone like garbage, or this guy's bad and washed up now, or the players don't get along. Like we don't, we don't know. Like unless they come out and say that, we don't know. So, all right. Um, I'm gonna throw it to you guys for EU Masters because <clears throat> I've only watched bits and pieces of this tournament. I haven't really been following it too closely. Uh, any big picture? I'll just the floor is yours on this. Yeah, let's see. I'd say the biggest news from the quarterfinals was uh, Misfits Premier being beat by BTXL, um, along with uh, Mao's beating Big. Mao's and BTXL had really terrible group stages. Um, Mao's was like all but eliminated from the tournament in the group stages and had like perfect results come out for them to get into a tiebreaker. And they won the tiebreaker, made the playoffs, and then beat Big in the first round, who went 6 0 in the group stages. So leader kind of making trying to get some credit back on his name after he looked terrible in the group stages there. Um, XL beating Misfits Premier, same story. XL just looked terrible for the entire group stage and barely snuck into the playoffs. Well, they looked terrible for the first week. The second week they came back and looked pretty good. But Misfits Premier looked like a, a tournament winner. Uh, that's like Jack Troll, like like pretty much all names you would know on Misfits Premier. Um, but XL eliminates them. The favorites for the tournament at the moment are probably Carmine Corp, who's in the the, the top half of the bracket. Um, they have the easiest semifinal, I would think, playing against uh, UCAM. Carmine Corp has X Maddie, who you would know, Targamas, uh, Synchroff has been there, and Adam is probably their star player, who's their top laner. Mm-hmm. Um, I would expect Seiken. that we'll, yeah, Saken Saken's very good as well. I think Adam's there has been their standout though. Um, I would think that Adam is definitely getting an LEC offer. Um, I think there's a pretty good chance that Saken will get an LEC offer. There's been a lot of players uh, floating around here that I think we might Saken see. Saken we've seen before. He played for SK, I believe, for like, I don't know, a quarter of a season or something like that. I think it was Vitality. Yeah, Vitality. Oh, it was Vitality. He was, on, he was on Vitality for just a minute. I think we'll see him. I think we'll see him come back. Oh, um, yeah. He was filling in for, uh, what's his name, when they had the, the travel UK. issue? Yeah. Uh, like no, it was last, last year. year. Yeah, it was. It was like early last year. He was filling in for. Oh yeah, yeah, right after. And he was uh, he was decent. You mean like Milica and Comp? Yeah, I think I remember him. Yeah. I guess another another big overarching theme uh, would be that the Polish teams completely fell apart after being really strong the last two EU Masters. Uh, Kick and a Go Rogue and a Go Rogue won last time, and Kick has been a fan favorite. Uh, both Kick and a Go Rogue got eliminated before the playoffs this this time around. Neither one of them looking too exciting uh, leading up to it. So I would say if I was ordering them in like likeliness to win the tournament from here, I would say Carmine Corp, BTXL, Maus, and UCAM last would be my would probably be my guesses. You could switch BTXL and Maus, but I think Carmine Corp is a, a pretty serious favorite. The one thing I want to touch on is it felt. John talked about the group stages a little bit, but it really felt bad in the group stages because specifically the UCAM group felt like insanely loaded comparatively to the other ones because like BTXL getting to the playoffs at all 
was a travesty. Like they looked so god awful. Yeah. Um, it didn't. They, it didn't feel like they deserved it at all. Whereas a team like um, Illuminar, who ended up, they ended up punting away like their last few games, anyways. So it didn't really matter. But they they put up a much better fight and looked a lot better. Um, just even like objectively, regardless of the competition. But like that group felt like way way more competitive than the others. So that was kind of crappy just to see those teams going out there and competing and like they were just in a better group. Like they were with Carmine and and or was Casey in that group? John, I can't remember. A go rogue, you can Carmine and Big were in that group. The the KC group was Carmine Corp XL Shalka and Cream Real Batiste. Which yeah, was, yeah, I meant the the UCAM, the UCAM group was them Mouse Sports Illuminar and they had right. Mako. They had Mako in there who sucked. Yeah, Mako uh, sucked, but like Illuminar, I thought played much better than BTXL, for example. Yeah, um, I would agree with that. And like it just kind of felt bad that they they weren't able to make it because they had like a, a really bad punt in one game and like Excel like looked much worse, but they just had a weaker group, so they ended up like squeaking out. It just was like that felt a little bit bad. Uh, you know, you always get those things when, when groups are made randomly by, by like this, but, but yeah, I, I had a lot of fun watching. It was very interesting, like watching, um, one thing we talked about and like Vince finally got to beat us all over the head with a stick because we were all like, oh, this team smashed draft. And then this guy actually destroyed. And it was like a reality check, right? Cause these are a little bit lower level and like the teamwork's obviously not as good and things like that. And like you do see why these like you see why leader likes to play Zed in these types of mm-hmm. games and, and and why Silas and Akali are so much more powerful and it's just interesting to be able to watch and contrast it to like the pro play where there's like or not not pro play they're obviously pros but like the highest level where you know they are all on the same page communications better teamwork's better vision this like looking at the map and knowing what's coming next type of things like it's just really interesting and like a nice refresher honestly to be able to see like these other styles of compositions win so you can really interesting event for that you can definitely see the difference looking at the two about like you can see why zed can be successful with eu masters and is not successful in the pro game but you can you can see why some of some people might take those picks in the pro game by watching what happened in EU Masters. Like, you see somebody pop off with something in EU Masters, and you go, oh, that's why that guy tried to draft it in the LEC. Yeah. But the level of competition is tougher, you know, and so they can't quite pull it off as well in the LEC or whatever. But, yeah, you can you get to see a lot more interesting draft strategies and stuff watching EU Masters versus, like, the LEC and LCS. What about uh, who, who's winning this tournament, you think? Uh, I would say Carmine Corp. Really? Okay. Yeah, Casey should be the favorite um, for the tournament. I do think that my TXL, the team that I lose so much money on, surprisingly made it this far. Um, one small thing to talk about. I know that some of these P- uh, players will probably end up in the LEC. Uh, one is already confirmed, right? Nuclear in. Oh, yeah. Uh, was it uh, for SK, was it? Shalka. Yeah, he's Shalka's. Oh, Shalka. Shalka right. the... He's replacing Abadaga. I forgot. Yeah. Yep, and, and he, he was very good this tournament, so no argument with that move from the Schalke main roster. That team looks so good. One thing that's that I'll just mention that's interesting and got to be weird for these guys is, uh, like, this is when LEC teams are having tryouts. Yeah. So, for their summer rosters. So, like, these guys are, you know, trying to practice with their professional teams and manage that workload and practice and, and solo queue and all those things. But they're also on the side then doing scrim practices for professional teams and yeah. probably multiple teams for some players. Like it's gotta be a trying time for them just mentally. So 
uh, just kind of interesting to keep that frame of mind around these players yeah. as well. It's definitely um, it's a different flavor of league. Right, like not like I don't mean that in like a derogatory way. Like it's a different flavor in that like you're just gonna see some more interesting stuff. Yeah, and I mean this. I know uh, we, we're not specifically talking about it, but uh, and I'm sure John felt the same way. I know he enjoyed it, but like even the the proving grounds tournament, I I really enjoyed yeah. watching these games because again, like you don't just get the same cookie cutter comps and and you get to see these teams trying out different strategies and and trying to highlight certain players. Um, one thing that like, I'm sure Vince would have loved this. I don't know if you caught it, Vince, but I think in back-to-back games in the last series in the EU Masters, there was a Karthus bot. One team picked it yeah. the first game and lost, so the other team picked it on the other game, and they 2-0'd them, it's picking good. it on the other side. It's good. But it's like, you don't see, we don't get to see that stuff enough, you know? And, and the Zeds and the, you know, all these, the, I mean, what, what is, who was playing the random top laners, John? Um, in improving grounds, it was was it Darshan playing like Vane and did, oh yeah, he, he busted out some weird stuff. Darshan has always had some really saucy stuff in his play yeah. in his pool, man. Like well, and and like Viper, the I know John John will get this, you know. I'm I'm the I'm the noted Viper hater, but like seeing a team like we always take like you just can't play through top lane in this meta, but like they just committed to it and it worked. Like it was, it's just so cool to like finally see different like ways of League of Legends to be played, you know? Like, it's not the eight minutes we're going to go try and get the first dragon, and then at 12 minutes we're all going to meet at the Herald and try and fight 4v5, and, like, you know, it's kind of the same script over and over in, in the highest levels, but in this stuff it was just, like, a nice refresher, you know, for that, me at least. That that, was, tournament really was, that tournament was a blast to watch, and I think, like, a must, like a much-needed shot in the arm in general, right? Like... Everyone's always shitting on, like, oh, the domestic talent or whatever. And, like, I guess you could, like, I think Alan was tweeting something, like, you could look at this from a different perspective where the fact that this happens is an indication that the talent pool is shit if these academy teams can't, you know, just smash these teams. (laughs) But I don't know. Like, if you think about it, like, most of these are in the same situation, right? Like, I guess, like, you have a couple of these teams that were thrown together and losing to them can feel bad. But if, you know, if they're grinding, you know, tournament circuits and stuff like that, like, it's not that much different than grinding Academy. Like, the level yeah, I mean, of play worth, is similar. It's worth mentioning that the team that won Proving Grounds, um, I talked to a lot of people on their, from their org, and, like, they, they were unpaid. That whole team is unpaid. They made no money. Uh, and then they're, and they grinded it out together and, and won Proving Grounds. I think that's really cool. Um, I do think that it showed that that these teams that are having academy teams full of like formerly decent LCS players are making mistakes. Like a lot of those academy teams that were full of like formerly solid LCS players did terribly at proving grounds compared to expectation. If you're TSM and you have like Cody Sun and people like that on your academy team, you really shouldn't be losing to a team like no org. You're, you should be able to scout a better roster than no org can produce. If you're a team like TSM and the fact that they just picked up, like veteran mediocre main league guys just tells me they're not scouting well enough for me. I think that's reasonable, but like, didn't like, what's it called? Like a couple of these teams were just all the same thing. Like they were also ex pros. Yeah. But that's like, that's kind of my point is like, if you have Cody son on your team, like you, I mean, they don't play the same position, but like yeah. if you had Cody son on your team and you could have had Viper with like Viper just shit stopped your whole team. So like, why, like, why are you paying money to have Cody son on your Academy team? You could put, I mean, they're, they don't play the same position, but imagine they did play the same position, you know, Well, Viper is the same argument. No, 
like Vitals. CS player. Yeah, but I'm just saying they're not picking up the right ones. Like they're not oh, picking up the you. ones that have like high that have high ceiling. Uh, they're just picking I, I up like you. mediocre guys that are you know that have always been mediocre or whatever. Yeah, I don't. It's it's kind of an interesting thought, but like I, I think another thing to point out is that this does to to me the thing that stuck out the most for this tournament was I kind of missed just tournament format. Everything like. League formatting is is a great thing, just in general for the the ecosystem. And I get it, but and maybe call me call me an old man, I guess, because I come from like the old school of esports or whatever. But like this is how it used to be. Like there were just tournaments. Like there weren't leagues. It was you would have six majors a year. You know, Counter Strike is still very much like that. A lot of the other esports are still very much like this. Now they've added, they've supplemented it with league play as well. Dota, Counter Strike, a number of these other um, uh, sports, but this is the way it used to be. And there's there is a certain. It's kind of hard to explain. Like you can just run hot at a tournament, and it like that's a thing. Like if it's a two week event, you could just be playing out of your mind for two weeks, and that team might not might have been last place in in like a regular season of a tur- like a league format. Right? It's a different skill set. One thing that annoys me a little bit about the CS:GO thing and i think people that watch and bet on csgo will definitely be behind me on this is you'll watch a tournament and it'll be like you know gets down to the finals and it's it's phase against ents i remember that final it's phase against ents and they're they're going hard and they're both playing so well and you're so into it and you know all their map pools and you've been following them and you know who the star players are and then the tournament's over a month later they come back for another tournament and all the teams are like completely varying skill levels from where they were before. Like you come in and like phase plays their first match against some team that you haven't heard of before. And you're like, Oh, this is a phase stomp. They just made the finals. And like phase just gets stomped. It's like, wait, what happened? Like this, that happens all the time in CSGO. It is, it is harder to get like an accurate assessment because you see these smaller samples spread out. Right. Yeah, and you miss that time in between where like some teams are improving or like other teams are having chemistry issues and you just don't know about them because nothing is happening. Yeah. So like, like Big is a good example in the in the Pro CS:GO scene right now. I watched like hardcore for like a month and a half, and Big was probably the best team in the world. And I stopped watching for like a month, and I came back, and they're like losing to tier two teams. Yeah. Like they're not even qualifying <laughs> for the tournament. Like what happened? So um, yeah, I don't. Totally. I, I kind of wanted to. I wanted to 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 like move this point into Kev's question regarding like uh, what was it? Um, we were talking about like the uniqueness of like st- like the the flavor of EU Masters improving grounds and like how that's been a thing. And I'm kind of skipping ahead a little bit here, but I think it ties in nicely with the big Kev's listener question, which is. Uh, he says, kind of big picture listener question, but there were 92 champions picked and banned at 2019 Worlds, and in LCS this year, there were only 90 picked or banned. What's happened to make the game so stale and cookie cutter? I have a ton of thoughts on this kind of thing. Uh, it's a concept I've discussed, honestly, like ad nauseum at this point. I, I like to call it the blender. I borrowed this from uh, LSV, who kind of coined it in Magic. And the concept is when you have a... A, call it like a hive mind, like a big pool of all the players and all the teams. Like call it a market because it is just like a market. It will figure out what the price is, or it will figure out what's optimal. Like with enough with enough um, permutations and iter- like iterations put into it and repetitions, it will figure out what's optimal. 
it doesn't mean necessarily that the game is like sometimes I think it means the game is stale. But the fact of the matter is, like at this level, there is so much information, so much data available now that, and like people can watch all this different stuff that they solve the puzzle, so to speak, so quickly that no matter what Riot does, or no matter it doesn't matter for League or any other game, no matter what they do, it's going to be extremely difficult because teams will just figure out what's optimal. Doesn't matter what it is. Like it's just that's. They call it the blender because you throw something in and it's going to it's going to figure out what the what the most optimal thing is like very quickly, and it's very hard to. The other thing is like if you're going to try to introduce variance to the game in terms of like variety, then that comes at the sake of balance, and you end up with just these like insanely broken champions, and you know that's no fun either when there's just four bands that have to happen every game, like that that ends up creating a stale environment too. So. I think it's more it's less to do with like to me the game be, it's less to do with the game being stale and more to do with uh like it's just it's just hard like it's going to happen like it's an inevitability that's the way I look at it so it feels cookie cutter the the league is more like the world is more homogenized now in terms of like how league is played you don't have as much of this stylistic like regional stylistic stuff you see that more in the lower leagues because when you get to the highest level you you have to just play what's optimal most of the time. So, I don't know. I, I have a lot of thoughts on this. I've written... I mean, I, I should rewrite I that. I wrote an article on this like six years ago. Yeah, and we've had a discussion about it on here a little bit. I mean, John's John's usually the one because he's... He likes a very specific style of team comp, but he's even said, like, you know, why don't why don't teams just pick these, like, Sejuani, even if they can't keep up type thing? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I do think it's interesting, you know, like the whole... Just because, like, especially with how much I play TFT, and I know how much you guys have played Magic, like, you know, it it is oftentimes optimal to play a, a slightly less optimal strategy if you're if you're kind of zigging when they're zagging, you know, and and we don't get to see that very often, um, especially now with the way league is. So, yeah, it's it's a it's a good question from Kevin, and, and one that that is a little bit hard to understand, but I, I'd wonder if it's been this way just over time. We've gotten fewer and fewer champions over, like year by year. Because that's that's kind of what I would expect. The further we get away from solo queue, because I think like the divorce between solo queue and pro play, like that gap seems to widen more and more every year to me. Um, so I think it kind of ebbs and flows, but yeah, I think generally I agree with that. I did uh, I did talk to um, some coaches and I asked them this exact question. Uh, just said, hey, can I just talk to you about this because I'm interested in it. And I literally asked, like, basically that question. Like, why are you not just drafting fucking Malphite and Sijuani every game and just wombo combo and people around the Dragon Pit? <laughs> um, and they said they said a couple things that were interesting to me. The first one was that a decent amount of it was a job security thing. That you yeah. can, that if you go in there and you try to do something like that and it doesn't work, you're gonna you're gone. Like teams teams don't have faith in in you like that. So if you go in there and you try to do something weird like that for a split and it doesn't work, that that might be your career. Like you might not get picked up after that. And so it's a big risk to take uh, when you know something else that you can draft that like no matter how it goes, you're probably not getting fired at the end of the year because at least you did what looked right, you know. The other thing was, and this made some sense to me and I talked to you guys about it, is it's kind of hard to go to your top laner who is a stud who has crushed solo queue his whole life and be like, we want you to just play Malphite and old people all the time. Like basically, we don't want to put you on a, a carry. We don't want to give you the 
this the freedom to win this lane and crush this guy. Like we're just putting you on Malphite, sit under your tower. And, you know, it can be hard to go to a guy who's been a stud his whole career in life and, and tell him we want you to play Malphite, and you're sometimes going to get some pushback from that if you try to convince them yeah, just to, to play those kind of champions. Yeah, <laughs> that's so that's yeah. my my and my follow up to that is more like I, I mean to me. And maybe this is just because of the way organized sports are and maybe just because I played football specifically. But, like, I feel like that's just part of being a team. Yep. And so, like, that's why it doesn't make sense to me, John, is, like, I understand that explanation. But, like, at some point, like, you have to be able – like, you have to be willing to make sacrifices for the betterment of your team, right? Like, and that's that's what's weird to me is, like, it feels like in those situations, like, why not? Like we saw, for example, uh, 100 Thieves Academy, I don't necessarily even agree with it, but, and we even saw it same with someday in 100 Thieves. Like we saw uh, Tenacity playing Scion relentlessly in Proving Grounds. And Tenacity is like insanely good, uh, like insanely high rated solo queue player, one of the highest upside NA prospects in a long time. He's known for like hard stomping on Aatrox and things like this when it was like not even good in the meta anymore. Um, and, and so like, you know, it, to me, like you see, do like an example is tenacity does it, but then like you see these other guys that just don't do it, and like I, that's just like a big, a, a, a bit of a rub for me with like this professional scene in terms of league because it seems like, I mean, to me that's almost like immature. If, if you're, you know, these are adults, right? These are like grown, like <laughs> there are people somewhat dressed in that. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I mean, yes, like I get maybe saying. they didn't go to college and everything, but these are like saying. twenty year old dudes and like you're telling me you can't take one game to play something that's better for your team you know it doesn't even happen no i totally agree with you i 100 percent agree but i also think like i've actually been having a a talk on twitter recently i had a couple posts about something that's not even in a team game where i think this happens to a lot of people which is in poker when people get really good at poker they have a really hard time just playing a really standard boring style of poker like once you learn these tools and you learn about this board is a, this is a wet board. This is a good board for bluffing. This is a great river to, to re-raise this guy as a bluff. Once you learn those things, you want to do them because you spent all this time learning them. Yep. And then sometimes you sit down in a game with eight idiots who have no idea what they're doing. And all you have to do is just wait until you get aces and you're going to make all the money. Yep. But you've been working for the last like month to learn all these sweet bluff spots. And so even really great players can go sit down at a table and just lose a whole bunch of money because they're trying to bluff all the time in these spots when all they needed to do was just sit and wait for a hand because they're playing against idiots. So I can see that. I understand the mentality those guys are in of like, I didn't spend, you know, 5,000 games learning Jace to not bust him out in this big game. I was going to say like that, that, that thing honestly pertains to betting in DFS too. Like you can get too cute. Like, you could have analysis paralysis, you can be looking at too many different things, you can be trying to do too many different markets. Like, unless you have, like, keep it, until you have the chops to actually do that, like, and and be good at it, just keep it simple. Like, pick one thing and focus on that, right? Uh, I know, I know, like, I so I, you know, a lot of people know, like, I have a music background. We used to have, you know, when I would practice... You would go through all these exercises, learning all these techniques that you were, like, never going to use. Like, maybe you would use it in this niche thing. And then you would end up – everyone just wanted the style, right? Like, everyone just wanted to, like, play the flashiest thing, you know, play the hardest solos. Like, there, there's a part of it where it's, like, pushing yourself, and I can get that part of it. Like, that that's that's a thing. But then there's another thing where it's, like, no, you should just get really good at the things that matter. Like, that's – and, like, 
people don't want to do the boring thing. That's that's a lot of what it is. So I wanted to quickly touch on because kind of related to that, uh, I think a lot of this that th- this kind of goes underrated as well is there's a time investment angle to this where these players this is a job to them so it, like if you want to say that they their scrim hours are we'll say we'll 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 give the benefit of the doubt and say it's more than i think it actually is and say it's like 50 hours a week it's probably less than that and then they actually have like other practice and strategic stuff but let's just ballpark like 50 to 60 hours a week worth of scrim blocks right like team play organized team playing against another professional team you need to get the absolute most out of that time. So there's two different schools of thought, and you see this play out a lot of the time. There's the school of thought that says, I want to experiment with this time, and I want to I want to cast the widest net and see what I catch, right? We see that. I mean, we hear about scrim culture and all this stuff, right? And that's one angle. The other angle is, we just want to get good at the things that we know are good, like the known quantities. And like every once in a while, maybe you'll prepare something a little more unique, right? I think drafting and champion selection and everything is very, very important in League of Legends. I don't want to understate that. But I do think in this era of co-streaming and all this stuff that it gets overrated. And a big part of that is like, I think people just don't, seem to, like, they don't remember that you actually just have to play the game out still. Like, we can talk hypothetically about, like, what a comp is supposed to do, why it's good, and all this different stuff. This goes both ways, right? In favor and against, like, the the typical champions that people hate, right? But ultimately, it's not, like, the champions you pick matter, and they matter about how you're going to enact your game plan. But ultimately, if you're not doing the things that you have to do to win a game, regardless of what you're playing, then it doesn't matter what the champion picks are. Like, there's certain things that make it easier. There's certain things that are more difficult to execute. But, like, it still is. Like, I always used to say it's, like, 75% draft. And it is. But people just forget, like, there's still that other 25%. And, like, I, people just completely thrown that out the window now. Like, every, it's all hyperbole now, it feels like, right? Like, I don't know if that's just a symptom of the co-streaming era. And, like, draft is just I, the time where people have, like, they talk about stuff more. Or, or I do what, hate but. that about the co-streams. I, I hate that every single time there's any draft, it's just like draft Canyon. It's over like games done. Or it's, it's the same thing with like, if some team gets first blooded, they just spend like the next five minutes just going, well, it's over. You can never come back from yeah. this. I do hate that hyperbole because it rarely plays out the way that they're talking about. And it's annoying to just hear them say that over and over and over again. Yeah. I think like it just remember that they have to actually play the game. Right? Like that's like uh, draft is very important, obviously. And there, I think there are a situation where it's like, okay, like th- this is, this is why like live betting is not like everyone always says it's the easiest thing. And yeah, you can pick your spots and make a, lo- a, a good chunk of change on it, but it's not just automatic, right? Like there's an art to it, right? You have to understand a lot of that kind of stuff. And I think uh, just one more, one more comment on the co the co-streaming thing is I think a lot of it, this is both, like, co-streaming and, like, actual analysis. The draft takes 10 to 15 minutes a lot of the time. And, like, between the draft and, like, the, the downtime between getting into the game, that's the time where you have the most time to dissect and analyze and discuss this ad nauseum, right? So I think 
the fact that it's talked about for more – I mean, there's some games that – the average game time is, what, 31 minutes? If you talk about the draft for 15 minutes and the game's only 30 minutes, that's a third of your viewing experience, right? So I, I think people just forget that middle 15 minutes. They remember the end and they remember the beginning and they draw conclusions between the two. And sometimes that's true, but they forget all the stuff in between, it seems like. Like, that's not touched on nearly enough to me. Josh, you sound like you had something. Yeah, I was just going to – it circles back because, like, some of my biggest losses are when I get too too caught up in that. Like, the the prime example that I remember recently was uh, Top Esports against RNG, I think, game four. Yep. They just drafted some insanely disgusting center comp, like Lee Sin. Uh, I, I can't remember. It was the most disgusting comp. And I was like, these guys are toast. Like – but it's like that's it's actually unironically good. They finally zigged when RNG RNG zagged, and then in game five they just went back to playing standard and lost lost the series. Yeah. Although they probably should have won the game. Anyways. Yeah. But we like talk about that. But uh, <laughs> that yeah. <was> a tilt. <laughs> but anyways, it was like I don't know. Like it's 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 in, like that's a prime example. Like you know, I took a heavy spot there and just got burned because like hey. You know that stuff can still work. Like it's not. It, we we like to talk in absolutes all the yeah, time, right? Agreed. And and it is definitely, definitely not not that not that clear. Yeah, like I think people are like too concerned with their takes and not just like looking at what's there. Like everyone wants to elicit a response from other people, and sometimes it's just boring. Like sometimes it's just like I don't know. I can see this going either way. Like nobody nobody wants to hear that, but like that's what it is most of the time. So, um. That is, that's honestly, it could be a show topic in its own, like that, that whole concept, like game design and all that kind of thing. But, uh, I, I think I just kind of wanted to tie that into, uh, cause we were talking about like EMS is improving grounds, having a different look, different flavor, uh, more willing to play these, these more niche things. So, um, did we kind of help tie it in, parlay it into this, uh, any thoughts on playoffs, big picture? I know it's been a couple of weeks. We've had a couple of weeks to kind of digest the big picture. Um, Damwon just smashed Genji. That was uh, honestly like the one game. The one game in that series was tragic. I think it was the first game. Like Genji won that game. <laughs> they just, I don't know what happened, but uh, so the LCK final was on like a little disappointing. But uh, th- the whole LPL bracket was lit. Yeah, like every matchup in the LPL was insane. It was yeah. like it was a, it was an absolutely. The LPL is just becoming by far the best league to watch. Yeah, it's uh, – I was a little bummed by the final. Did anybody else think FBX kind of didn't show well in the finals? Well, yeah, I mean – The, I the first R- game was amazing, but, you know. I think RNG looked a little better than they had looked in some of their other series. I think FBX looked a little worse. But, I mean, I was pretty happy about it. I mean, yeah. My RNG futures yeah, were – Yeah, I had RNG futures as well, so. Um, yeah, I, honestly – it was weird. The last three matches were, were kind of not the way – the last four matches in the LPL did not go the way I expected. last five, I forgot, EDG top. Just did not go – I had the rest of that playoffs locked down. Like, I just nailed that entire bracket, and then the last five matches were kind of, like, a little little tougher for me. How about, uh, how about Europe? Oh, I called that. I called that, Chris. Um, yeah. I called it. Not. I'm not going to homer that. I was like, oh, he could end up there. Um, 
So e- Europe was uh, maybe the most, I want to say controversial, but like the most shocking to like, I'll say the masses. I don't think it was that shocking to us. I think we were all pretty hip to the fact that these two teams are pretty damn good. Um, that oh, final... I definitely, thought, I definitely thought G2 was winning <laughs> the playoffs going into the playoffs. Yeah. I definitely did not think they were. By the time we got mid-playoffs, I was a little bit more worried about it. But going into the playoffs, I was definitely like G2 is for sure winning the playoffs. You want to talk about <laughs> this is one of the only times you're ever going to see me on tilt. Uh, I was on tilt after that game five. I was I had a pretty sizable position on Rogue. And... Not that they lost. I don't give a shit about the that they lost. It was how they lost that game. I was just like, were they up like eight k and lost that? Oh my god! They were like, like oh I'm, I'm, I don't even want to pull. I'm gonna pull it up right now, and I'm gonna hate myself for doing it because I'm just gonna get angry again. Uh, where is this game five? That was a great series, though. Right, like that part of it, I think we can all agree on. I was just. It was tragic. Yeah, they were all right. So they were up. They were up sixty five hundred gold. At actually, they were up seven thousand gold at twenty six minutes. With uh, they have Renekton, Udir, Rise, uh, Senatom. Pretty, you know, not like the most ridiculous scaling, but that's a pretty strong scaling team. Set on a rise, yeah, yeah. Against Nar, Volibear, Victor, Kaisa, Rakan. Also pretty good scaling on Mad Side. I think it's strictly worse on Mad Side, though. I'm with you there. So the fact that they were up this much and lost this game, I was livid. I was so mad. But this was a great series. I, I think I- I'm kind of glad that this ended up being such a slobber knocker because the I think these two teams deserve it. Like, they're both very good. They've both been not getting the respect, I think, I think that part we all agree on. Whether you thought G two was going to win or not is is maybe less weight than do we do we all agree these two teams just didn't get enough respect from people all season, like particularly the second half because Mad kind of had that that mid period where they were the bottom lane was just inting every game. Yeah, I don't think Mad looked that good going into the playoffs. I think they they really showed up. Oh, they coming played in insanely playoffs, well. But I don't think they looked that good going in. I think Rogue. I just kind of have always felt the same way about them where I'm like, they're a top three team, but I don't think they're going to win. And But they, they overperformed what I expected from them in this playoffs. They really could have won for sure. Um, but I've just kind of felt like that about them the whole season. And then they kind of look like that's what they were going to do. And then turn it around at the end there. I think it's just good for the league to get some new, um, new blood right in the finals, kind of mix things up. Like, I mean, I love you too. Don't get me wrong, but I think like for the brands, this is going to be good because now summer, summer you can talk like okay, like G two the G the G two uh, are they going to punch back or are they just going to go out with a whimper kind of situation? Like you can do all those now. It's going to be interesting. Like it's going to be really interesting. Yeah, I'm really interested in how G two is going to bounce back from this. If they're going to come back and look really good in summer, or if they're going to look broken. Uh, Chris, Josh, any any thoughts on LEC or any of the other leagues playoffs? LEC playoffs just made me angry. <laughs> I enjoy I like I enjoyed LEC regular season quite a bit. The play I was just mad the entire time. I every time well, yeah, it's fitting cuz uh, that was like yeah. pun intended. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was just very upset with everything how it went down. So, that was frustrating. Uh yeah. It was interesting to note that Rogue played their style and still lost the mad. That was quite the surprise for me and 
kind of see what what this means for the rest of uh, the summer because I don't I think G two has to respond and respond strongly when they come back. I do see consider Fnatic now like way way weaker than I thought they were. Yeah, that's the other big takeaway I think from um oh Chris DC I think that's the other big takeaway I think from playoffs is uh you know I had expressed concerns about Fnatic going into the like going into the playoffs I was like we shouldn't give this team the benefit of the doubt like they they have good players they're not a good team like they're not a bad team but they are not a good team like you look at uh, there's a number of different things you could look at and a lot of their wins were just flashy wins against bad teams and they had some bad losses against bad teams too so uh, that I was <clears throat> that I was happy cuz I that I'll pat myself on the back on because I had that that red pretty hard i was like this team's pretty fraudulent like they're getting they're getting way too much credit that they don't deserve but it's gonna be interesting to see how they are in summer too with all this this news with whippo and self-made i mean the the caliber of players on that team they're, they're gonna be a good team like they should be better than this i think but maybe they won't be maybe they won't be able to put it all together so we'll see i guess um got a couple more listener questions and then we'll get on out of here i think we'll keep this this show brief i know people want to watch the draft and get back to what they were doing um <clears throat> oh any thoughts on na it was a good final i thought and cloud nine played better on the day can we just i, I know this I, I i talk too much but like why the hell did they do that big spectacle outside and then they had a glare issue and zven was like sunburnt and like what Come on, man! Just let them play inside in air conditioning. It's it's like, what are we doing? Like, there's no fan. If there were fans, even socially distanced fans, I get it. But like, why are we having an outdoor final for a video game? They probably. My guess is they probably booked it and they felt bad wasting the money. But I could be wrong about that. I'm totally with you, Josh. That was that was ridiculous. It was it was was weird. It was weird flex. I will yeah. say though, <clears throat> if they end up going back there, you know, if we if and when we get through all this, and they're gonna have live fans there, that's gonna be dope. That's a sweet venue. It's a historic venue, so I, I'm about that. If they go back there with fans, but it was it was definitely some weird flex for sure. Um, again, we're gonna be talking MSI on Monday, so uh, that's why we haven't really touched on it too much here. So. We'll get to see a lot of these teams, and we'll probably talk more about this there. So, two more listener questions. <clears throat> Clear my throat fist. Uh, Inspire sent one via the Esports Department Discord. He hit me up with, um, he says, what does 100 Thieves have to do in summer to consider their moves a success? As in, like, what's the benchmark? I mean, so I, I think he means, like, clearly picking up Babadog is an upgrade, right? But uh, what do they now, like, what is the expectation now where it's a, it would be a disappointment if they don't reach X? Like what is X? I think for me, not not only picking up Abadage for this team, but also I think the off like m- the more time that goes by, the better for them. Like I think they're gonna get they're gonna gel better as a team. I think they have really good cohesion that can only get better and better. Um, where some of these other teams, like I don't feel like Cloud 9s cohesion is that good. They have they have some talented players, but I don't feel like they come together well. And I think you could sometimes say the same thing about Team Liquid. Uh, I think Liquid's better than Cloud Nine at it. But I think 100 Thieves could be the best like teamwork team in the league if they put some time in here because I think they have some really good cohesion on some of their players. I would like to see, uh, for sure, a top three 
out of this hundred thieves roster uh, in the upcoming split. That's what that's what I'd like to see out of them. I think I think less than third, I think is considered a failure for them, at even in their eyes. But on the other hand, I really wouldn't be that surprised uh, if they did if they did fall below third, just because I think these other teams, you know, could get better as well. I think there's I think there's some good some of these other teams can compete with them. I want to take I want to take hundred thieves over cloud nine, summer split record only. Somebody messaged me the odds that they would give mm. me on that bet. I think I think summer split only. I think hundred thieves is going to do better than cloud nine. Uh, to me, I think it's going to be like I would be disappointed if they're not like. See, I, I'm more nebulous about this stuff. Like, I, I need to see them like be a clear like a clear tier one. Like, I think they could get up to that level, like that Cloud9 Liquid level. Like, even if I don't think that they're necessarily as good, but, like, if they're in that tier, like, maybe I think they're the third team out of those three, but if they elevate themselves above, like, the rest of the pack, like TSM and, and you know, whoever the hell is going to be the, the fifth. Th- this is my concern with the LCS is, like, I don't know who that next team is going to be after TSM. Like, it's just four teams. CLG is going to have a strong summer. I think CLG, CLG will be better. I think I think LCS summer is going to be way. It, it might be the best league in terms of competition. I, I think it's going to be that way part less I agree with. Heavy. That part I agree with because I I, I think this season the, these teams kind of just ran everybody over. Like honestly, Liquid played like dog shit, and they were still like they put this record together, right? Like I think Liquid played terrible for a long part of this split. Uh, for various reasons. I think CLG is going to be better with the full roster intact finally. But uh, I think some of these young teams are going to be – like they're just naturally going to be better as the year goes on. So I, I agree with you, Josh. I think the it, it's going to be interesting because like, even even if it does end up being more polarized, like you have like a top three or four and then the rest, even if it does end up that way, I think the competition between those teams and like the those in competitions within each other are going to be fascinating. Like if it ends up being like a top four, like the top the matches between the top four teams are going to be really really interesting, and the bottom six teams I think are going to be really interesting too. Because to me, like the bad teams, I don't see like they're not going to get worse. I have a hard time seeing that. Like is that maybe Dignitas takes a step back, but like you know for for what it's worth, I'll I'll say this like Dignitas were playing good League of Legends. I don't think this was a fluke. I don't think they're necessarily going to perform to this level, but I also don't think that. Basically, I'm saying I was wrong in my preseason valuation. I, like, I think they're a competent team. Like, this isn't like a, a garbage fire, like a dumpster fire tier team. Like, they showed that they they can actually play. Like, whatever we think of the players aside, so we'll see. I'm very excited. I'm I I actually like when I was thinking to myself about all the leagues. I think on I think like LPL is exciting, but I just honestly don't get to watch that many of the games live, so it's a little less exciting. Uh, from that aspect, but like I think LCS is like I'm way more excited for the, than LEC at this point in time. So I think I think that whole top six, even seven, if you include Dignitas, is just going to be spicy. Yeah. EG, CLG, I think EG and CLG will both improve. Hundred Thieves should continue, uh, like kind of like John said, meshing together. I I don't know if they'll I think really FlyQuest could be a force. decent look for summer too if they yeah they, they get to you know some of the and then you have. The you know the top three already TSMTL Cloud Nine like I I think I I'm really really excited I think there's seven teams that could legitimately all have a claim to say they're all top 
top four teams. Yeah, should be should be interesting. I I think um I just want to briefly touch on the LCK too. Like we kind of saw that's it was just a weird season. The LCK LCK spring last year was really bizarre as well. But I think uh, that could be interesting. Like I think like Sandbox looked more like what we thought they were going to be by the end of the split. It's a shame that they were just buried at that point. Uh, Afrika probably should be better than they were. KT probably should be better than they were. So I think that could the middle of the table in Korea could get a lot better as well and make that a lot more interesting than just being like you know a three horse race. Also, it's going to be interesting to see what T one does, right? Like, are, is it just going to be more of the same? Are they going to are they going to just do this back and forth over and over again until they figure out what works for that league, or are they just going to stick with the veterans now? It's gonna it's gonna be interesting to see how that pans out as well. They're going to so. stick with the veterans and not draft Nidalee Jace every game. That might be a, that might be a decent strategy. That might try. We'll see. Um. So where are we at? Oh, the hundred thieves. So I, I, I overall, I think. Top four outside of the top four would be a colossal disappointment. I think it's fair to expect them to be like a competitor to win the split, right? I may be a little, I'm, I'm a little more bearish on Hundred Thieves than you guys are, but I, I think that's still a reasonable expectation. Like they need to be in the conversation, or this is a disappointment. Abadag is a big pickup. I know we kind of meme on him a little bit, but like you got to remember too, like if he's gonna move over here. It's he's he's better than a lot of the players here yeah i mean i think people oh go ahead go ahead chris sorry just i, I think i'm more uh looking at weaver the coach and i do yeah the player, I, I agree um, i think people don't compare the leagues that often like i think you, I, you guys probably have some argument for me on this one but like i think abadage is better than power of evil so i think they're bringing in like one of the best mid laners in the league Basically, not not the best, but one of the best mid laners yeah. in the league right away, good. and somebody that could really run over like a lot of their opponents. So I think that's a big, and I'm happy they got him instead of Niski, because I think Abadage is a more like crush lane focused guy. Um, See, and I, I'm the opposite. This is you, you wish they got Niski. Yeah, so, well, I'm surprised so I wanted them to get Niski yeah. for for t- for two reasons. One, you have the Reaper connection, and two, and this is where we might disagree. I think they were a better team when they were playing more up tempo, like earlier in the split and at lock in. Like that's when they were they were running over people. To me personally, I think that's like the biggest way to expose North America. Like if you get good at this, I think you could just run this league over. Well, that's kind of like I think I think Abadage is a more like lane centric player. He's more well rounded. I'll give you that for sure. I think Niski is a team guy, like a guy that will come help your team, whereas Abadagi is a more solo-focused guy. And I think that's the way for me to beat NA. Uh, I let, think, them, like, let them screw up. I think Perks and Blabber have really shown us that if you have players that are completely more skilled than the other players of your position, you don't need to be better everywhere else. Yeah, like You don't need to be able to team fight that well. You can just literally run them over and just get a huge gold lead. And I think Abadage, their other lanes are already really good for me. I think someday... Obviously, he had some pretty poor periods this split, but I think someday in general has been a great top laner. I think their bot lane's very good. So I think getting a guy who can also take over a game in the mid lane gives you three different places that can completely See, take over the game. Like, that's a, I, think I, Abadag, wanna... I think Abadag is a better player than Niski. I want to just say that, like, overall, I think he's a better player. But uh, you got to mute yourself, Chris. Um, oh, I think he's a better player, but 
I think for that, I, th- I think Niski is is better at that specific, like early mid jungle prior play. Like I think Niski's more specialized and he's good at that kind of thing. But um, it's not that Abadaga can't do it. Like he's insanely good too. But uh, that's what, like I don't know. It was just interesting. Like I think I would have liked to see that because it would have gave them their identity, so that they can't possibly screw that part up. You know what I'm saying? But. I, I mean, I, they did get a better player ultimately, so I, I think this is, is overall good for them. Go ahead, Josh. Sorry, I was. I'm just surprised with John's take a little bit because, like, I know I know you think the world of FBI and like you think this team should be team fighting more. So I'm I'm surprised you wouldn't want them to have the guy that plays the Galio and Seraphine as opposed think, to the guy that plays Zoe. Yeah, what I would say is that I'm. I think that the the team is already very good at team fighting and they have clearly like the coaching staff and and playing in this team is going to make you a better team fighter. Like they clearly have that part figured out as far as I'm concerned. So getting a guy who's really individually talented, they're going to turn him into a guy that can team fight well. Like, so get, get a guy who's individually talented that can win his lane by himself. Because like DeMonte was great for team fighting for this team, but he was just not individually talented enough. Like he he was losing his lane all the time, but he was great. He could pick up a Galio and 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 team fight well with this team, but I, but he was just losing his lane so badly. I think if you get a guy that can crush his lane and then teach him how to team fight with you, then you're getting like the best asset you can get. Is kind of what I'm thinking. I think that's fair. I mean, ultimately, ultimately, ultimately they did get the best player. I think that like the better yeah. player. So I think that's the most important part. God, Chris, sorry. Uh, I think conceptually, I agree with John. I mean, Niski, you'll get maybe like a better version of Demonte, right? Whereas Abadagi gives you a bit more uh, different flavor there. Yeah. What maybe what they had hoped for from Rioma, but never got. So I like I like that addition. Yeah, I think that's a good way to sum it up. The Niski disrespect on this call is is this like this guy literally. This, I would have well, preferred I him. I said that. No, no, yeah, yeah, but John and John and Chris, like, uh, I don't know what's going on here. There's, you can't even say Demonte and Niski in the same sentence. Like, what is happening here? <laughs> like, this guy was actually like competing to be the. Do we forget? Like two splits ago, he was in this region destroying everyone, yeah. right? Like we do remember that, right? Like, there is. I'll say this: there is the added the added advantage of you would have like the Niski against Cloud Nine. Like maybe he knows the inner workings of Blabber or some shit. Like there's there's that whole thing too. If you go back, uh, I don't know how far back you have to go. I'd have to look at. The, I'm very bad with time, but if you go back a few years. I'm sure you can find some John George Niski is better than Perks takes because there was definitely when he was on when he was on Splice. I definitely thought that like Splice was was savage, and I definitely thought Niski was like like gonna overcome Perks as a mid laner. So you, you could I definitely have some respect for Niski out there in the world. It's gonna be interesting. Um, one more listener question, listener slash contributor. Uh, so Chris Emmerich. We're gonna have to have Chris on one of these times. We gotta get he's, Chris he's, on for the he's next year. Great answers. personality too. Yeah, we gotta he's get like, Chris he's on one for of our, uh, one of our clash gang. And so, yeah, we can get we definitely get Emmerich on here for sure. Yeah, we gotta get we gotta get Chris on here for. Uh, I know he's like real dialed into EU Masters and everything. So maybe next time EU Masters happens, we'll we'll have to have him on. Um, he says with Unified not making it, who's the best TD carry in the tournament, and why is it Sven? That's something else. This, is, have a, this is an interesting question, though. I don't want to share the same first thing with this guy anymore. So I'm going to go ahead and say this. AD carry might be the weakest role in this tournament. Like, the pl- like the player pool for it. 
compared to like what you would normally expect. Well, yeah. I mean, think about this. So, like, three of the best teams in the tournament, like from the three best regions, their eighty carries are Gala, who's I mean, good, but not like heralded. Um, Although he Carzy, did play out of his mind in finals, I'll say they that. did. Carzy, who was mediocre for like half his split, and then Ghost, who's by far the least heralded member of Damn One, even though I think Ghost has had some insane games and performances as well. But it's basically like the least heralded player on. Yep. Well, two out of the three teams. I think Carzy was the most heralded player on Mad Lions, but had kind of a rough split. But I wouldn't even call him mediocre. Carries, he was actively bad for a while. Yeah, he was. He, he was he was pretty bad for a while. So yeah, AD Carey, I think, is definitely like the weakest position at this tournament overall. So this is this is kind of funny that you say this, because I've been thinking about this too. So last year we were all kind of in agreement that it was like a mid-focused meta. Yeah. But all the teams that made it anywhere had good AD carries. Yeah. This year we thought it was an AD carry focused meta. But all the teams that are making it and like winning have like Top three-ish shady carries, like you know, interesting. I, have, I just think that's interesting to at least point so out. There's a reason for this. Um, when you are playing more around carries and playing protect the hyper carry, it makes worse players look better. Like it's the equivalent. It's the equivalent of like, okay, we're gonna build an insane running off, like a, like a, a run blocking offensive line, like just a bunch of maulers that are going to get down the field, get to the second level, and just make these giant holes for your running back, right? The League of Legends equivalent of that is, like, building team comps to do that, right? And right now, like, it's easier when the bottom lane's less volatile and they're both just trying to scale up and farm up, that gives less windows for the elite players to exercise their advantages, Right? So everyone's basically coin flipping to a point, and then it's whatever team protects the carry better a lot of the time. Now, I think there are exceptions to this. Like, early in the season, we saw Samira, and we're still seeing a lot of Kaisa. Like, I think those are the exceptions to the rule. But generally what happens, and this is this is always what – if you go back and look at who, who were overhyped 80 carries, and then, like, the next season they disappointed, almost every single time those metagames were, like, hyper-carry-centric metagames. Like, I'm trying to think of – um. Oh, who was CLG? The CLG, uh, the guy that got hyped up. Everyone thought he was like the next big thing. Stixay, Stixay. So Stixay entered the Stixay had a good debut, but when Stixay was really, really good, it was all about playing through bottom lane. He got all the help. Right? It's a lot easier to look good when the whole game is about protecting you. You don't have to be as good when everyone's doing doing all the dirty work. The good eighty carries make a big difference when. It's weak side when they're forced into bad matchups because they want to draft a counter for top or mid. When uh, it's more about fending for yourself, like more like these scatter kind of meta games, right? Then it makes a difference, right? Or if it's like skill intensive stuff, like I think Kaisa is, is an example. Vayne, uh, Lucian, Ezreal, even like I think there's it's easier to look good when all you need to do is is kite back and auto attack, right? Especially if the other teams aren't drafting to to try to mess with that. If everyone's just coin flip handshaking saying, okay, uh, we're going to try to stop you and you're going to, we're, we're just both going to build big front lines and, and protect our carries and not dive the back line. If that's the case, it's pretty easy to look good if you just get ahead or if you just play it, if your team plays a team fight better. So I think I'm not saying these guys are, are bad 80 carries, but I just think I like, I think it's interesting. And that's kind of why you see this. Like when the game is about playing through it, it matters. It's weird. It's weird, but it matters less. Like the player quality matters less when that's what you're playing through. 
and I think this is kind of like a cognitive bias people have with League of Legends is like it's e- when you are the one being played through and given the resources, it's easier to look good. So it's kind of the opposite. Most people think like, okay, like I want to put the resources in my carry's hands, right? Most of the time, you you know, once you reach a certain, you do need to be a certain threshold of good. This this only this only really accounts. Or this only applies to like once you get to a certain threshold of good, right? Like I think Sven's going to struggle in this tournament. Don't get me wrong, but. Yeah, this is this is just in general, right? Like, I think it's uh, people people want to see teams play through their best player. I actually think more often than not, you should use the fact that your best play, depending on the player, you should use the fact that your best player can win disadvantageous positions or break even in them. That's more important than a lot of times, you know, giving all the resources to them. There's certain exceptions, but. I think that's kind of like I think it's the opposite of what most people think, so I wanted to bring that up. And it's interesting that this ended up spawning this conversation. But who's the best eighty carry at this tournament? To answer, yeah, to answer the question, I mean, I think uh, it's either Gala or Ghost. I think it's I, Ghost. I mean, it's one of those two. I mean, Gala was, like you say, was absolutely insane in the finals and had some real like showman moments where he really showed off how good he is. Gala um, but Ghost both very good in the final. It's got to be it's got to be him or Ghost. I, I have a hard time picking between those two. They play in such different leagues and such different situations. I mean, I think Gala had way more like exciting plays this season than Ghost, but Ghost didn't really need to make that many exciting plays. And in the past, when he's needed to, he's 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 done his, his fair share. So hard to say, but one of those two for sure. Any uh, objections to that, Josh and Chris? No, I think I I, I would probably say Ghost, but I agree. Chalk City. I, probably, uh, I don't want to. I don't want to bet on RNG, so I'm going to see Ghost. I hate RNG. Oh right, wait, is someone picking up Crown Shot before the tournament? Or <laughs> real quick, if we got like five minutes, who's yeah. the best at each position? Damn one. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 it's hard, it's literally hard to argue that it's not Nuggery Canyon Showmaker, right? It's not Nuggery. It's uh, Khan. Or I mean, yeah, sorry. Yeah. Oh wait. Uh, it's still there. Okay, one. okay. It's Top lane's the question. Is Jauhu better than Khan? Is it no. good? That's fun. No. I don't know. I don't think so. It'll be yeah, interesting to Jauhu's see. Jauhu's been pretty sweet. Jauhu's, Jauhu's been pretty sweet. Jauhu's nuts. also been getting all the help in the universe. So. I don't know. I mean, Gelati's, Gelati's no, he's been very a good. truther for like the past five years, even when Khan's been bad. I mean, I'll just look at this season then. No, Khan's – I mean, Khan's yeah. insanely good. <laughs> that's what like, I'm saying. I, that's what I'm saying. Like, you didn't be looking just this nuts. season, so – Jaoui's like champ pool is wild. Yeah, it does kind of make me feel a little biased because I think you're you might be right. Like really looking at the lineups, I mean, I guess I think there could be an argument for way over Canyon, but Canyon's pretty insane. It's pretty tough to argue anybody over Canyon. I think I think Canyon's the best player in the world. That's not a mid laner. If you guys want to hear the take that's going to blow everyone's mind, okay, let's hear it. It's not way or Canyon. It's blabber. Hundred percent. Oh, is very good. Big facts. People just like, I, dude, I'm hyped look, to finally see him in international combat. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm. This hyped is the at. thing. This is the thing because, and and I could easily eat crow on this, but here's the thing: Blabber would will never have a chance in these discussions because people will just say, "Oh, he plays in NA." Yeah. Like I get it. I do. I I understand the logic, and it's going to be right 99 percent of the time. 
but this is the winningest player in LCS history. Yeah. We've never seen anyone be this dominant for this long. This is three straight splits where he's absolutely taken a dump on every other jungler in the league, been the best jungler in the and league. he's young. Hands down. And so, like, I don't know. I I, I do think he, he – I, I, I don't know, man. I, I think it's going to be interesting, but I think good, he good has good. reasons to make a claim. I, I think the only thing in this specific situation is that the junglers in this tournament are all very good because El Yoya is insanely good too. If you're looking for a, a, a link that puts these teams here, like if you were trying to find a narrative as to why these teams are the ones that made it, it's jungle. Yeah. Wei was probably the best jungler in China. Canyon was best jungler in Korea. River was Blabber way better than far. everyone in the PCS as well. So Yeah, I mean, El Yoya was very, very good. I don't know if he was the best jungler in Europe, but I mean, pretty much the rest of these guys were by far the best jungler in their region. Mm-hmm. So... That's what puts you at MSI. It looks like was the was jungler in the spring split. It's gonna be. Uh, I'm I'm just I'm happy that we're going to see any international play from Blabber ever in his career. I'm, I'm excited for that. Cause... I like this comment in the chat. If you put Canyon in the LCS, they'd build him a statue after one season. <laughs> Dude, this is but that's the thing. Everyone says that you say that about literally any LCK. Like people would be saying that about. Who's who's literally the poor JJ is the so, to, all right, to me at some Crown. point at some point good is good I don't give a shit where they play but Crown w- oh, yeah but okay who who's the jungler for uh, Chovy's old team God I can't think of the name. DRX uh, jungler DRX Piosic or the, the yeah other one. people would okay Piosic is actually good God damn it I need a better example you just trying to think of like mediocre junglers yeah just like. Like, someone on, on a bad LCK team, people would be like, oh, well, he's going to be the best jungler in LCS. Like, they would say that it about about the sandbox jungler. Well, that's like, they'd say on fleek is going to be the best. Yeah, but I'm saying... Like, I, I know what you're saying. They like, say there's a heavy the, regional bias. Any team. Yeah. Like, I, I just... Like, I get it. I understand why people say it. But, like, at the end of the day, like... It's the FCS versus I, FBS conversation. Yeah. Like, it's, it's just, the... It's I a mean, little bit unfair. I mean, it's draft night. We can talk... It's, it's yeah. Trey, Trey Lance, Justin Fields, right? Or Trey Lance, you know, whatever, yeah. whatever, you know, blue chip prospect, right? Like, at some point, good is just good. And I say this, like, this is another thing we talk we, – this conversation always crops up when internationals roll around, whether it's for individual players or teams. And it's sometimes difficult because, like, I, I think you need to use it as a tiebreaker. You use strength of competition as a tiebreaker – but really, strength of competition ultimately comes down to not necessarily how good the league is overall. It's more about is that team tested, right? Like, and I'm not talking like like ignore the record. Like I say, tested. Like oh, like if they go, you know, Talon. Talon went 17 and one, right? They dominated. You could look at that on paper and be like, they weren't even tested. But you have to look at the games and watch the games. And the teams in the PCS are good. They have good teams there, so they were tested and they still won 17 and one. You know, we're going to talk more about this next week, but like, it's it's the it's like you have like the Patriots conversation, right? Like, you can't fault them for shitting on a bad division or something like that. Like, we used to say this about like we said this about Cloud Nine in like season four and season three. Like, yeah, it's like you know, if LeBron was playing in Italy, yeah, you know, like he's still, he's still LeBron just because he's in Italy doesn't make him worse. It's just that you might not know for sure how good he would be in the yeah. NBA, but I think he's like still great. you you have to use this as a tiebreaker more than, like, a full-on, like, gauge, I guess. Like, I think people say, like, oh, that, that region's not good, this team's less tested, they have to be worse. And I don't think that's always true. 
is what I'm saying. So, uh, let's see. Yeah, I think that's going to be it for us for the show. Pick let's of the do, week. Let's do pick of the week. So, we'll, we'll do we'll do pick of the week. We're gonna we're gonna try something spicy. We'll call it an augmented pick of the week, alternate pick of the week. We're gonna try to do non League of Legends. Let's one non League of Legends. I got one fired up. Uh, <laughs> go to town, man. Okay, I'm going with a two-team parlay, but it's not a team. It's it's an MMA. We're going to go with Giga Chikadze at minus 170 against <laughs> Cubs Watson. And we're parlaying that with a fight that's on the next card, which is Amanda Hebas at minus 190 against Angela Hill. The parlay pays uh, plus 142. And if you if you hit me up again, I will reiterate it for you. That is my pick of the week, gentlemen. Uh, I do literally nothing else, so I don't have any good options that are real football. to bet on. Football future. Yeah, I could bet a future, but it won't pay off forever. They're, they're, the only future I've placed in this offseason so far uh, is currently my only open position uh, is Cleveland Browns to win the AFC North at like plus 150. A lot. I like it I think, a lot. I think the Browns are – Arguably the most complete roster in the NFL. One of them, yeah. And still, like that's still worse than uh than Kansas City just because the quarterback differential. But their roster is absolutely nuts, and I'm not sure what they're going to end up doing tonight. But they can't really have a wrong pick. They have no real positions of need, especially after getting Clowney in the offseason. So I think that's like that's like no really disrespect for Baltimore either. It's just that like I really do think it's a coin flip between those two for that for the specifically the division. Maybe not for like you know the entire season but maybe like i think both teams are both very very good so oh and because yeah. kevin's listening uh also panthers to lose every single game they play ever play in I the think future Pan- of I think the panthers nfl are gonna be decent maybe not next year with the year after they surprised me a little bit last year i think that coaching staff's doing a good job um it's kentucky derby this weekend i don't know shit about horse racing but i'll give you a horse racing pick there we go uh this is partially from a friend who does sort of follow this a little bit. And I just wanted to have some skin in the game for the, for the Derby. Cause you know, it's fun. Uh, he told me Medina spirit for the Derby. And his explanation was he's the, he's like the actual fastest horse in the race and is going to get ahead. And you want to stay ahead in a mile and a quarter race. You don't want to be chasing. And he liked his pole position. So, or gate position. So interesting. I'm, I like, there's just some weird spectacle about the Derby. Like I, I, I don't, I can't even explain it. But like I, I always find a way to watch it every year. It's weird. Like I'm not even that dialed into horse racing, but I do think that whole, that whole like, uh, that whole niche, like that world, like going down to a track and just like having some beers with the boys and watching a few races. Like I think, I think the whole thing is really, really cool. Betting it is like insanely complicated. Like, it's very, very complicated, and it does, like, paramutual pools and all this different stuff, and it's a completely different animal than, like, sports betting. So, I think, like, also, like, the terminology just sounds like you're speaking a foreign language. Like, if you've ever heard, like, anybody talk horses, it's, like, it's crazy. But, uh, yeah, there we go. A little outside the box, right? (laughs) Chris, anything? I was looking at the Kentucky Derby, too, and you know what? I have no idea how to do this. Uh, <laughs> let's take a horse that's called Highly Motivated for plus 12. <laughs> I like that's it. 
uh, I'll say the the I'll just I I just took a number real quick, but obviously like the thing with horse racing is the odds change, like literally they change like as as it's going because it's a it's a huge pool, so uh, it's fifteen to one on that. You said twelve to one on yours, Chris. Uh, it says plus twelve hundred on the five. I don't okay, know. Got it. Got it. Got it. So uh, I will say this: if you want to bet the Derby, I I was a total degen. I was like super into horse racing. I've in the past created a lot of spreadsheets and done a lot of film review. On horse racing, uh, I used to go for the Triple Crown. We would bet at the, at an off track every year in college. Um, I will say specifically in the Derby, historically, betting favorites is unbelievably profitable. Yeah. Whoever the favorite is wins an unbelievable amount of time, and that's just due to the length of the race specifically, as well as the age of the horses. Uh, it's like a very consistent that whoever has had the best showings at the – most at the most comparable tracks ends up with the best odds and they oftentimes win uh last year actually the favorite i think it was last year that actually the favorite won and then got disqualified um for a ridiculously nonsensical call or maybe it's two years ago but but yeah the the favorite is one i want to say like i think three out of the past four years or something like that the favorite is is overwhelmingly the best bet to make and especially at the derby because it's such a large field you almost always get plus money on them and so it's still a really, really good yeah. bet. So, you still get two or three so for those that don't know, like just little, little basics here. Like the Derby is the the largest field of I think any race on like any of the major races. Like it's twenty horses. Most of the time, it's a lot less than that. So there's like all these different angles to to do all that. But, so I'll, I guess I could chop this up with you, Josh, because you you've you know a little bit. Uh, my buddy told me like this year it's like a more even field. Like the the favorite is not that much better than everyone. Like he's saying essential quality is the best horse, from what he was saying. But like it's not. It's not like the last two years where you had bona fide superstars that were just like clearly better than everyone else, no matter where they were going to be. He says it's a lot closer a field this year, which is why he gave me an underdog. So, yeah, horse racing. If you ever get a chance to like just look into it, like you know, fire up a random podcast or like Google an article on it because like it's 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 a it's a very cool, neat, fun thing. You could, you know, the the pools get ridiculously big, and you can do like you know put a couple bucks and you could have like a whole box like an exacta box on like how everything goes it's, it's really it's fun it's a different um it's a different experience and like actually like going to a track is a lot of fun so i would highly recommend people check that out anything else i think that's all for me gents all right so Enjoy the draft. we're gonna be uh we're gonna be recording our msi show on monday night so uh we'll be back here at the esports department twitch um John, we are running a promo to get ready for MSI in the summer split. Yep, twenty percent off. Um, you can go go check it out on Twitter um, to get the exact code. I believe it's MSI twenty. This is my fault because I don't make the codes, <laughs> so I don't remember the codes because I don't make them. So let me uh, let me just double check. Yeah, MSI twenty, which is kind of funny because I think that uh, Hodge forgot what year it was. Uh, so. <laughs> Hashtag COVID things, right? Yeah. Hashtag COVID stuff. Nice job there, Hodge. Uh, but I, I think it's MSI twenty is the code. Uh, oh no, it must be twenty percent off. MSI twenty percent off. MSI twenty. Okay, okay, Hodge. MSI twenty is the code. Twenty percent off of anything on the site. So pop in and, and join us for MSI in the summer split, gents. <laughs> all right, and with that, I think we're gonna get on out of here. We'll see you all on Monday. Have a good night, everybody.
The Gold Card podcast opening theme is Clouds by Harvey and the Hendersons. The closing theme is Wasp in a Hat by the Tea Club. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and Podbean to never miss an episode. Oh.